This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined this week by David and Brady. Uh, This week we're going to recap a little bit of Georgia State football action, talk about some upcoming action at Charlotte, should that game actually happen, and then a little bit of Panther Pro news as well. But uh, first off, this past weekend, your Panthers uh, were defeated in overtime by the number 19 Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns by a score of 34 to 31. Gentlemen, what did we see in this game? Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, a lot of encouraging things, especially because we didn't really know what we were going to expect really on either side of the ball coming into this game. New quarterback, a freshman making his first start, a defense that had struggled last year, and that, and then on the other side of it, a, a Louisiana team that was coming off of a 17-point win at Iowa State won double-digit games the year before is the favorite in the Sunbelt West. And I mean, I think we saw on display, especially by the end of the game, why that was the case. So there was every reason that Georgia State should have been in the eyes of Vegas, a 17-point underdog. I think it landed around 17 by kickoff. And why people would have had questions about what this game was going to be. And so I think, yes, it was a loss, and we can talk about why the loss ended up happening after the fast start, but you got off to a fast start. You're up double digits, two scores in the second half. You got it to an overtime game, which at at the end of the day, especially since Georgia state runs the ball. Well, once you get to overtime, it's sort of a coin toss and you lost in overtime. It happens. You lost in overtime could have been your first ranked win, but it's definitely going to soothe some concerns. I think, especially as we see how the team plays in the upcoming games. Yeah, I think there was a lot to like, as you said. Um, I think Quad definitely answered a, a ton of my questions personally that I had going into the game. I think we got to see a defense that... I don't want to say they calmed necessarily some fears, but I know that they did a lot of things uh, that they didn't do last year. Um, And while, yeah, somebody can sit there and point to the final score or the total yards given up or, you know, just kind of the breakdown and say, well, that's the same defense. I can't help but feel like that is not necessarily a true statement. And then we also got to see kind of just the different special teams um, play from Georgia State. I think they they covered a lot better than I remember them covering, and they didn't. They they still fair caught a fair bit, um, but at least they tried some returns. So you know that's another thing that I saw. But you know we can kind of go in and break down what we saw specifically with as. You know, I don't know about you, Brady, but I was really impressed with Quad on Saturday. Yeah, well, I guess I'll touch on the last thing you said first, just because I was going to mention it at some point that we talked about how they had had special teams touchdowns the previous week and that special teams were going to be a big deal. And in something that I think is a credit to Coach Elliott and his staff, times like this where they say that there is an emphasis that is going to come up and they need to worry about like special teams in this instance they usually come out and do a pretty good job in that. And I think that speaks a lot to 
the game planning and all that that entails because Louisiana had one decent return on kickoff, but it it wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't into plus territory. It was just a good return. Guy got through a lane. And then there was the other time where after the touch, the first touchdown, Noel Ruiz put a beautiful kick right down the sideline and Louisiana guy stepped out on the one granted the next play, Louisiana got the 20 yard gain and got out of trouble. But I was really impressed that they met the moment with what was going to be a, a tough special teams test. And I guess I'll also say we only really got to see him on one short field goal, but I was impressed by Noel Ruiz in the first game he played at Georgia state. Um, having dispatched with the special teams talk uh, quad. Yeah. I think that we were unsure what he'd look like in the run game because we were told he's going to run a little bit more than maybe he even expected. And he looks totally comfortable running the ball. And I think that that is a very encouraging thing because we know that Brad Glenn likes calling the option plays and design runs for the quarterbacks to make everything work. And you saw a couple of times during the game where Georgia state picked up a key third down because quad tucked it himself and took it, whether it was, he was the only one who's going to run it. It was designed run out of the backfield or whether it was a read option and he made the right read. And I think that that is the first thing to note is that the running game with the quarterback that was so prevalent last year with Dan Ellington seems to be staying. But I think the biggest thing for me overall running and passing is he didn't look like it was too big of a moment for him. There were mistakes made and there's stuff he'd like back throws. He'd like back decisions. He'd like back, but it wasn't coming from a place where he looked scared in that backfield. No, and that, that's definitely something that was very important um, that I noticed as well. I think a lot of the mistakes, if you want to call them that, um, you know, like, especially in the second half, he didn't have the touch on some of those easier throws. He struggled with deep ball accuracy all day. Um, I don't recall of a, like a couple of passes where his decision-making itself were bad. Um, even the interception that he threw, I mean, the, I could see where he was going with that. Um, and if he, yes, if he puts a better ball on the throw, it's probably not picked. Um, but you're right. I think quad definitely at the moment. And I, I mean, I want to give a shout out to the coaching staff for that. I want to give a shout out to quad himself um, and just the Panther game plan, because especially in the first half, you could see the way that they wanted to move the ball, you know, kind of a lot of those passes to his left where he was moving to his left were very successful, getting him in space, getting receivers in space. And then a lot of the, uh, a lot of his more successful runs were kind of to his right where he, you know, was forced to make a cutback and make a decision or kind of, that's just where the blockers were. Um, so I don't know if that was on purpose. Maybe that's just kind of, dealing with where the chips fell. Um, but I was really impressed with quad um, going forward. You're definitely going to need him and his receivers to work on that deep ball accuracy. Um, some of it was him the Pickney interception. I honestly want to give more on Pickney than him because Pickney didn't really jump for it. And it kind of just fell into the defensive backs hands. Um, but there were, I mean, he overthrew McCoy a couple of times. He overthrew Aubrey Payne a couple of times, not necessarily on deep routes, but on, I, there was like a, a hitch route on like third down in the, the third quarter um, that he just completely missed. So those are definitely going to be the throws that 
Quad is going to need to have back if he's going to be. Yeah, and I, the run game we mainly saw, aside from Quad running it himself, Destin Coates and Destin had a career day, ran for 150 yards, carried it 34 times, which long term, uh, we need to see some more Marcus Carroll, Tucker Gregg, as long as Seth Page is still not dressing out. Um, but that is a area where even in a 10 game season, you don't necessarily want to have to rely on one guy for 30 plus carries a game in college. It's just wear and tears a lot. Um, like you say, there were some overthrows and some mischances. And the crux of that for me is that there were some plays left out there to the point where the longest play from scrimmage was Roger Carter catch for 28 yards. It was the touchdown he got in to go up 14, nothing. And the longest run was 23 yards, which is to say the explosiveness was missing from both facets of the ball. Uh, neither. I mean, not getting a, a play over 30 yards is what it means is every time you're scoring, you're having to rely on driving the ball instead of getting one play 70 yards, just getting a, a pass play that goes for a big gain. And I think that the positive you can take away is there were those opportunities. There was one where Cornelius McCoy might have been two two instances where Cornelius McCoy was past the corner. If the throw is on the money, or if maybe McCoy gets another two yards downfield, whatever it might be, um, not necessarily able to ascribe who could have made the play there. But if that throw is there for the receiver, he might not get stopped at all. Um, best case touchdown, worst case, you know, 30, 40 yard gain and a big momentum play. And so I think that the, that is the positive you can take is that there were still plays there. The designs were there to get guys open. The throws weren't there or the catches weren't made in, in the instances, but as the season goes on and as quad gets more throws under his belt. And now that he's actually faced a live opponent, I think you can start to expect to see some improvement there. And I mean, we have to remember that it's a, a freshman who's playing his first game. So there is three to four years of growth potentially to come. And so he didn't look so much worse than, you know, Dan Ellington's debut. And he got here as a junior Connor Manning's debut on the numbers wise, he had the best passing numbers since Nick Arbuckle uh, debuted in 2014 against Abilene Christian. And granted he was off Nick's total by 200 something yards because I mean, Nick went crazy that day through the air, but we've seen this before where, you know, the first game you see, ah, we want a little bit more from the quarterback, but in those cases, they only had two seasons the sky really could be the limit as he, as he keeps putting it together. Yeah, definitely. And I, I definitely want to see him run more this week. Um, I was really, I really liked some of the runs that he ran on. I think he, in the second half, especially when Louisiana was cheating in the box a lot more, I think he handed the ball off a little bit too frequently. There were a couple of runs I think he could have had and kind of, kind of moved the chains a little bit with his legs um, instead of just handing the ball off. But I liked I liked that he was very aggressive in the first half. Um, if that's an element, I did not expect that to be an element of his game, truthfully. Um, 
So if that, that'll definitely be something to watch him develop as well. Because um, if he develops into being as good of a runner as Dan was, I mean, that's, that is a scary quarterback for Georgia State. Yeah, and I guess on the other side, where it kind of broke down the game in general, uh, the Georgia State one time in possession on the day, just barely, but it was 30-something to 28-something minutes time of possession. Um, but in the middle two quarters, Louisiana kept the ball for 8.25 of the second quarter, 9.14 of the third quarter. It was happening because after Georgia State got their second touchdown, basically the rest of the game, except for the two touchdown drives that resulted in points, Georgia State really couldn't get anything going on offense. They kept punting and after a while that the defense that had started off really strong, I think they just got worn down a little bit and led some big plays happening. And so the other reason, I guess getting big plays is important is if you're having short drives and getting the defense back out there, but it's after putting up seven points on 75 yard touchdown run or whatever, that's definitely momentum wise better than, Stating the obvious here, that's better than a three yard, a yeah, three yard drive and three plays, and you're punting it, and you just gave up a touchdown the drive before, so you you are feeling your back against the wall. Um, but sustained drives or big plays, something uh, because in the middle there, it was the the offense wasn't helping out the defense enough, and it was too good of a team to have that happen with. They were gonna find their footing eventually, and they did. Yeah, and we can kind of use this as a segue to talk about that defense. Um, because, it, all right, the reality is 519 yards and 34 points. That's not good. You don't want that. But I can't sit here and tell you that the Georgia State defense played bad Saturday. I can't. I cannot do that. And it's... I uh, personally, I just think Louisiana started utilizing in, in their pre-snap reads and callouts, and that confused um, a lot of the Georgia State linebackers. And you know, kind of it did some things with the defensive line. I think they utilized that. I think they just called a great game. Um, the was it the LeBlanc wide open. Uh, catch down the sidelines on the first touchdown drive of the third quarter. Um, I mean, that's just a deep rub route, you know, like that's, yes, you could sit there and talk about how um, Chris Moore, you know, didn't break the correct way, whatever. That's, that's just good play calling. Um, and I, I think there were a lot of, it was great blocking up front, you know, Georgia state, the defensive line did great in the first half and they didn't get as great of pressure in the second half at times. Um, and then there's also just the fact that Levi Lewis is a senior and he's really, really hard to tackle, you know, like there were a couple of plays in both halves where Georgia state had him dead to rights and he just, you know, escaped and you know made a play and sometimes that's just going to happen in college football that's just the way that it is you know but this is a defense that had they forced two inter they had there were two interceptions you know they they sacked lewis only once but they forced him to step out of bounds another play they forced him to you know make bad decisions they got a lot of hurries on him and they also had what was it eight pass breakups 
you know, like the, the Georgia State secondary played fairly well. So building off of that a little bit, we had a couple questions this week about the defense specifically. So first from Drip No Love on Twitter is, how do y'all think the defense is improving? And in a similar vein, uh, Tim wants to know how we would rate the defense on a scale of 1 to 10 and also where we specifically feel it's improved. So I think this is a good segue for us to go into that. Yeah, building off the questions and sort of combining them and what David said, I mean, it's a loss. It's not a 10, but I'd say a solid seven, seven and a half out of 10 for me. Because for one, the the tackling was really sound. There weren't plays that guy busted a 60 yard run because guy missed a a tackle at the line and they bust off a big play. I mean, the reality is, especially in college football, coverage busts and assignment busts are going to happen and big plays will happen as a result. Um, that's just a, how it's going to go. It, playing defense is hard. But if you're not hurting yourself with the errors of when you're in a good position and you let a guy pass because you miss on attack or whatever, that's where you can really get in trouble and it, it won't balance out. It'll go. You'll start allowing even more big plays on top of big plays. But I didn't think that really happened. There were big plays. Um, credit to Louisiana for some play calls and for good blocking. They are the class of the Sunbelt West, and they showed it in the second half. But forcing turnovers was key. I didn't necessarily expect that coming in. And that's not even just a diss at George State defense, but it's just a fact of I saw that Levi Lewis only had four interceptions all of last year, and he threw two. He forced a guy who doesn't really make mistakes as a rule into two interceptions. And I I just, you know, you you take your hat off for the steps that they took. And again, as ever, it's one game. You're going to have to see them put it together. And if we're here next week talking about disappointing defensive performance at Charlotte, then you're going to hang your head a little because a, a good bit of the reasons that the defense had trouble was, I feel a credit to Louisiana. So if an offense comes in that isn't necessarily as heralded and is able to do that, then you're going to be a little disappointed. Uh, but I think that the tackling was really sound and that's an area of improvement. I think just the instinctual plays uh, we had two instances where one was Chris Bacon. The other was Ant lane, the hit stick came in from the safety position into the backfield got a tackle for loss on a run play. And it's the type of plays that Georgia state hasn't really had with guys from the second, third level constantly getting into the backfield and making plays. And that was another thing that was big for me, just the instinct plays, the read and react. Um, And if they can keep that going, they'll continue to force turnovers. They'll continue to not let teams just kind of march down the field all game. And that's something to build on. I, I, I want to talk about that bacon play because when I rewatched the game, it it was my favorite play that I saw a Georgia State defender make. I wanted to make sure that I saw it correctly, and I, I rewound it a couple of times, and it, it was true. The thing about that play that was so fascinating was Louisiana went in motion to the opposite side, and as soon as the ball is snapped, Chris Bacon is already heading towards where the ball carrier is going to be. 
And I don't know if Levi Lewis just couldn't see him or if that it was a designed run instead of an option play. But before the ball is even handed off to the running back, Chris Bacon says, I know where this is going. I'm going to go make this tackle. I don't care if anybody gets in front of me. It's going to be me. It was it was a loss of like three or four yards. But it's those things that I think are so far, through one game, mind you, different from last year. You know, we can talk about the defensive line play. I think Hadrick Willis and Dante Wilson and Jeffrey Clark, they all played phenomenal. Um, I really liked how Georgia State used a variety of pressures. Uh, you know, sometimes they went with three guys, sometimes they brought five. Um, but, it, it, you know, they didn't really sell out for the blitz or anything like that. Um, as you said, the tackling was sound. And it just it just felt like a Georgia State defense that wanted to make plays instead of a defense that just tackled guys that came into them. You know, they were aggressive in that regard. And that to me is what stood out from a, you know, one of the like I remember last year in the Coastal Carolina game. Coastal didn't have a great offensive day, but it was more so them making mistakes and Georgia State kind of just taking what Coastal was giving them. Whereas this game with Louisiana, Georgia State was stopping Louisiana when they got to the ball carrier. You know, the big plays, yes, they did happen. But it was more so Louisiana being really good than Georgia State just being bad. Now, obviously, it's one game. It was the first game, so they had the benefit of rest and stuff. And so we don't know what's gonna what it's going to look like going forward. But if Georgia State comes out on defense and plays like they did against Louisiana week against Charlotte, you know, next week or any of their subsequent games. This could be a good defense. It really could be. Yeah. I'm glad you shouted out the defensive line um, because I mean, we all know what Dante Wilson can do. We've been seeing it since he's been here. Same with Hardrick Willis. I was definitely very pleasantly surprised at Jeffrey Clark guy playing in his first game. Didn't look at all like he wasn't ready for that. Uh, there's a reason why in the trenches guys don't get in there at a young time, just because it is an adjustment, especially from high school. Even if you were the guy who got in the backfield every play in high school, which is, it's different. So that was really good to see. Also the linebacker play was really good. And you, you brought out the time where Chris Bacon got in the backfield on a, the tackle for loss. And there was another instance where, um, Chris Moore made an adjustment at the snap and took the, the guy in motion and it ended up being a run play at the running back and the running back. That was the first big play. It was the running touchdown for Eliza Mitchell to, is that the one to tie it to 21, 21? I think so. Yes, I think so. But that was a play. It was a bust and it was a, a you don't want to give up 50 yard runs, but it was coming from a place of being aggressive, making a play and sometimes that's going to happen, but you'd rather have that happen and have the other times where it does pay out positively and you get the big loss than the situation where you're giving up big plays and also not in playing aggressive and getting those other plays. Like with defense, you're going to give up big touchdown plays. Offenses are good and want to score. And so it's just going to happen. So it's, it's about getting the other side and that's how you can be a good defense just by balancing out the big plays and, um, and I guess before we move on from this game, we should just talk about the end of the game. And so it was 
14 nothing Georgia State and then 21-7 Georgia State and then Louisiana scored the next two touchdowns tying the game on that Mitchell run 21-21 and then after another stop Louisiana got another big run took them down to the 1-yard line and then Trey Regis took a touchdown in to make it a 28-21 lead for Louisiana their first lead of the game and then at that point when it felt like nothing had been working for Georgia state on offense and the defense was starting to get worn down, Georgia state put together their, one of their best drives of the game culminates in a four yard run for Destin Coates and it's tied again. And from that point, um, I guess that's where there's maybe Monday morning quarterbacking to do with coaching. I, it, I will explain, I guess from my point of view, what I think, why it made sense, the decisions that were made, or at least play devil's advocate if I don't agree with the decisions made. But um, so from that point, it was 28-28. Georgia State ended up getting the ball back just under five minutes to play on their 11. Georgia State runs three run plays that go nowhere, and they punt it back. And in postgame, it didn't sound like coach Shelley was just throwing quad under the bus, but he did say that there's a run option and a pass option on every play and that quad might've seen what he saw and called the run option. And I think there was also probably a desire not to put him in a position where he was going to maybe force something feel like he had to force something in his own half and make a bad play. But here's where I will definitely agree with the decision because the decision was to punt it to them. Even though Louisiana got the ball in plus territory that drive, the defense made a stop. They got the big sack that I don't think anyone saw coming just because Lewis hadn't gotten sacked and he kept getting away from pressure, but he just kept running backwards and backwards. And finally, Willis and Clark caught up to him. And Georgia State was in a position to win the game. Yeah, I I won't begrudge the previous drive. Um, I thought they were a little conservative, but I mean, running the ball is your bread and butter and it worked the touchdown drive before that. So that was fine. Only complaint was the drive after the turnover on downs that you're referring to, because yes, quad was, he missed the play on third down and fine, whatever we could talk about, you know, that play. I just, I think you know, it's 28-28, get the ball back. There's, I mean, a minute-ish left. There's, a, what, 120 seconds left in the game. You're on the other team's 46-yard lines. If you go 15 yards, you can kick a field goal, win the game, and get on out of here, you know. So, yes, running the ball is your bread and butter, but there is times for you to be aggressive. And even though Claude wasn't, really that great with his downfield passing that day, I say, take the shot, you know, just get yourself in better field goal range and just try, you know? Yeah. And so it got to fourth and three on the 39 of Louisiana. And it was two pass plays on that drive for Georgia state, but they weren't shots as you would call them. They were shorter intermediate. They were shorter to intermediate routes and the throws just weren't there. So it's fourth and three and there's a chance you can go for it. And here's where I think I'll try and read the minds of what was going on and explain it because I personally probably go for it there. Fourth and three. I mean, 
the uh, offense had looked good the previous drive. You've probably got plays dialed up for that type of situation where you need a first down. And if you get a first down there, especially depending on the yardage, at worst given field position, you're in a place where if you go nowhere else, your kicker can have a shot at a, as time expires, field goal. I think that the decision that was made was that Louisiana had all three timeouts. So if you don't get it, or if the worst case scenario happens and a play like you just had happen where you got a sack on a 15 yard loss. If that happens, Louisiana has 45 yards and three timeouts to go in like 40 seconds. Um, and then that would be disaster because you think that they can probably get at least 10 yards from there, 15 yards from there and get a chance for them to get a field goal. So I think the decision was made at that point. We're at home. We kind of got some momentum back. We're going to punt to them and they're going to take it overtime, which is what happened. And then overtime, I just always hate getting the ball first. Going on defense is just, it's such a, that coin toss is so much more important than the opening coin toss. And Georgia state couldn't get uh, into the end zone. They got a, a first down on their overtime drive, got stalled out 25 yard field goals. Good for Marie's, but Mitchell just running like crazy as he closed out that game and Louisiana won. But I think that you can say that the first call with the play calling when you're backed up inside your own red zone paid off because it ended up getting you that opportunity for the offense and showed the trust in the defense that yes, we trust you to go get the stop that we need. I think that the, the missed opportunity was once you get the ball after that sack, I just think that that is the chance where you've got to be able to move it 15 yards and give your kicker a chance. And I think that is where the, the game ultimately hinged. Yeah, no, I mean, if you get a first down on that drive, you know, Ruiz probably makes that kick. And, you know, we're talking about the one and no Panthers at the point. You know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, I guess. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. And obviously we've talked a lot about how there is a good bit of experience coming back, but that's, the type of situation quad hasn't seen in live action in college. So while there is experience, that's one where he hadn't experienced that. And so you hope that the next time there's one of those situations, more can get put together and Georgia state can find something to win the game. Still a lot to be encouraged about as we've talked about. And I think that it's just a question of, what from that game gets taken forward into this week's game? Definitely the two interceptions. You can start there. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll start with the the caveat that Charlotte had their last game against UNC canceled because they couldn't field a full offensive line. And this week they are set to go with, they say they have seven guys ready to go. And so they're going to be able to play. We're recording on Wednesday. We sort of held a little bit, trying to make sure we weren't going to be recording something for a game that wasn't going to happen. But I'll, I'll just end it by saying that this will be the best hypothetical game preview that you can listen to. If indeed the game doesn't happen, we hope it does for every reason for Charlotte, for Georgia state. But with that said, David, you had a chance to watch some of this, opening game for Charlotte against App State. And what did you see from that that you're looking at 
you know, licking your lips in anticipation or, or things that you saw that impressed you from Charlotte? What did you see? It was really wet. (laughs) Um, It rained for most of the game. So I'm sure that Charlotte probably was a little more conservative than they otherwise would be. Um, But if you look at the game and just kind of how it felt, you could see that App State ran the ball pretty well. Well, They ran it really well. But then they made a lot of mistakes. There was a couple of fumbles. Um, You know, they got stopped up on, I believe, a fourth down. And then you just saw a Charlotte team that kind of couldn't really match them on the ground. Um, They weren't necessarily bad. You know, they ran it for 30 times, 146 yards. That's, That's not in the top tier of college football, but it is by no means bad. Um, their quarterback, uh, junior Chris Reynolds, he didn't really have a great day. Part of that is because the ball was wet. I think part of that was just the pressure. Um, the app state has a really good defensive line. Um, but I also saw them not really take advantage of some of those app state miscues. Um, especially in the fourth quarter, it seemed like they kind of just didn't really attack as much as they were in previous quarters. And I mean, it can show us they just weren't able to move the ball as well in the fourth quarter. Uh, They only had 20 some odd yards, 27, 26 yards in the fourth quarter. Um, That's just not going to cut it. But I think there's definitely an opportunity there for Georgia State to key in on the run. They definitely wanted to run a lot. Um, The split was the same, but that was more so because App State kind of forced their hand at the end there. But if Georgia State can stay as disciplined in defending the run as they did for like the first half of the Louisiana game, I think Georgia State has a great opportunity to win. Yeah, I also, I mean, the the rain was the big, takeaway from that game just because we don't know how much of an impact it did. I think it's fair to say that while Chris Reynolds had a 36% completion percentage on that day, given he threw for 2,500 yards at about a 62% completion clip, 22 touchdowns last year, while also rushing the ball. Well, he was the team's second leading rusher with 767 yards I think it's fair to say it's probably not representative of who he is, especially a year older, a year more experience. And so I I don't know what to make of the offense for them because it was raining and the past game was all but eliminated. Um, I think that even given that 11 interceptions last year, so if the defense can be in a good position and the cornerbacks and the defensive backs in general can be in good positions on plays and and making the reads like they did this game, there might be opportunities there for some interceptions. I think that what happened this game against Louisiana was a little bit in Louisiana started to take advantage of some zones. And when Lewis wasn't getting pressure, he was able to sit back and find open guys in zones. And I think that I don't know how Charlotte is going to play, but I'd think that they might try and work some play action off some running game and try and then catch Georgia State out and also try and 
just give their guy time and see what receivers get open because they've got some talented receivers. Um, but I, I think you're right that they're going to want to establish the run game. Georgia State's going to establish the run game. I guess. And I, I know we. Go ahead. I, I know we say that a lot and it sounds like coach speak sometimes. But truthfully, that is the the calling card for a Charlotte to be successful. You know, if you, you you're right, you mentioned last year that Chris Reynolds, you know, he was a 2,500 guy, 700 yards on the ground to, you know, 3,200 yards from scrimmage. That's that is an impressive college quarterback. It is, you know, but he's not a guy who's going to fall over you. You know, he is going to want to mix up the run and especially in the game against App State. I'm honestly shocked that you said that he ran for 700 yards because they didn't really run the option. It was a lot of him kind of using his athleticism on busted plays or, you know, there was if the defensive end was he just happened to be in the backfield. He kind of took it and ran with it a little bit. Um, There were a couple design runs for him as well on keepers, but it it wasn't necessarily the option like Georgia State runs. So, I mean, that's definitely going to be an interesting wrinkle for the defense to have to deal with because it's a different style of running offense. And there's supposedly some questions with Chris Reynolds and health and I don't know. I guess my gut just says that unless he's like out, out, if there's just a chance he can play, they're going to probably play him. But obviously playing a, a back their backup would be a good situation for Georgia State. But I guess the point of what I was working towards is he can throw it and they've got some good receivers, but they're going to want to make it happen on the ground. And what happened against Louisiana is that Georgia State stymied their ground game for two and a half quarters. And it was Louisiana going to the passing game, which they didn't want to do as much as get some ground game established where they started to find some opportunities. So I guess if you're having that success in the run defense, you can't then let it be a thing where Charlotte can change tact and get the yards through the air with guys finding the zones and not getting home. So if if you're getting loading up the box, getting ready for the run and they catch you out passing the ball, guys just got to make plays. You just got to get off the field, force turners, whatever it is. And I, I think that this is a game where if you get beat through the air and guy has 300 passing yards on you, it's going to feel like a missed opportunity because that isn't necessarily how Charlotte is trying to beat you. And I think that that's probably been a problem in the past where Georgia state has come into games and the defense has, maybe given up the yardage on the side of the ball that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like I remember Kennesaw, I think passed for more yards than rushed for more yards in the 2018 opener. And it was a Georgia state win, but letting Kennesaw pass for 200 yards when you hold them to under 200 yards rushing when they're a triple option team. I mean, you just, you've, that isn't going to be a successful way of going about it. If a team is, unable to beat you the way they want to you can't let them turn around and do it the way they quote unquote shouldn't and then in the rushing game go ahead sorry what i was gonna say that's that kind of suck game for for that fact alone that you mentioned very triggering it was the same stupid jump pass to the tight end over the seam and it kept working (laughs) but 
switching to the offensive side, I, I think we just want to see a couple more of those plays connect. A little repetitive from what we were talking about with the offensive summary of the Louisiana game, which is just to say more of those plays happening would be good. Getting some explosion would be good. Um, I'm interested to see Marcus Carroll more. I thought that he only got the two carries on the goal line. He got his first touchdown in his first game. That's a big achievement. Nice feather in the cap. And he was out there a few more series is I know that he had a screen pass that was thrown his way that went over his head that ended up leading to a punt. Um, but I'm interested to see him in the open field and not just because we need to be able to get Destin rest when we can get it. Um, but just because he's a guy who kept getting his name coming up coach Elliott and the names that he'd brought up before Jeffrey Clark and Anton Antavius lane, had great games in their first game. So I, I want to see more of the guys that the coaches saw standouts in camp from the freshmen. But if they can get the ground game going and maybe get a few more big plays and control the clock even more, maybe 34 minutes instead of 30. I think we can possibly look at this as a game to launch off of in the win column. You you can only take so much from a loss. You You've got to get wins to really start to establish what you want to do. And I think that's got to start here for Georgia State. Going on the road's never easy, but I think this is the game they've got to go. We're going to go beat this team. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. And, you know, kind of my thing that I want to look forward, my thing that I want to make sure is sound is kind of that quad Cornelius McCoy connection. Um, I know that you can't really look at targets and receptions necessarily because it doesn't tell you the whole picture, you know, but your best receiver can't have, you know, as few targets as as Cornelius did and only two receptions. And that's, that's more so I want Brown to know that he has that offensive threat on the outside and to, you know, make that chemistry a little bit better because if he's hitting McCoy down the sidelines you know, and he one thing that I did like about Quad is he was really good at those across the hash throws. Um, those are not necessarily deemed deep balls, but it's a very hard throw. It's it's not an easy throw for a guy to make, um, especially in college where the hashes are further out. You know, so if he's able to actually stretch the field instead of stretching it uh, horizontally, I guess you could say that'll go a long way for Georgia State. 260 plus passing yards. That's that's the answer. That's what we need. I'll I'll switch it to the other side. 100 rushing yards from quad. Let's get it. Let's do it. I think the opportunities were there. Um, Last thing we'll say about Charlotte and then one more thing before we go. But I did see that Charlotte, they had a little bit of kind of like jumpy linebackers like Georgia State does where they're playing a certain guy. And they started playing their running backs hard because their app state running backs were having success. And so I think the opportunity is there. If quad is going to pull it out, um, that he might be able to on these read option plays busted for 10, 15 yards at a time. If the Charlotte front is keying in on Destin. And I, that's why I say that. But the last thing we were going to talk about uh, pretty good week in the NFL for Georgia state. Yeah, I definitely liked what I saw out of Chandon Sullivan on Sunday. Um, 
he's definitely found that role as that kind of fifth defensive back for the Packers in a pick six and on Sunday against the Lions. And I don't know if you got the chance to see it, but it was one of those situations where he was behind the receiver facing the end zone and just decided, yeah, I want a touchdown right now. So I'm going to go get this interception and score it. That's, you know, that's all it was. He jumped the absolute crap out of that route. And let's hope it's the first of many more. If for no other reason, then let's get him a Lambo leap when there's fans there. Cause the Lambo leaps, one of those hollowed, hollowed NFL things to do. Uh, the other thing in actual game action, little history is the, Saints kicker, George Tate alum, Will Lutz was the first scorer of points in the new Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium. So history there. Can't take that away. That'll be in the annals of the Raiders history there. Um, of course, Great they lost question. the game, which we like. As a uh, Falcons fans here. And then sticking with kicking, the last thing is that this just came in today. The Jaguars kicker, Josh Lambeau, went on the injured list for them with an injured hip. And so Brandon Wright, Georgia State kicker punter for the last four years, is up with the Jaguars as the kicker for this weekend's game. And I I don't know what injured hip means for a kicker. I mean, he obviously can't do it if he has an injured hip. So I I don't know how long term this is or anything like that. I, I believe it is not the full season IR. So it's not like they're just giving up on Josh Lambeau, but it's a situation where if he can come up and do the job he's being asked, he's going to keep doing it until Lambeau is healthy. And then they have a decision to make. If he comes out and misses a field goal in a key situation, they might say, well, now that we have a week to plan for this, we need to go get someone. And so it feels like a really big opportunity because with kickers, it's so cutthroat and missed kicks are so damaging to the future. But best of luck to Brandon as he gets that chance this weekend. Yeah, that's two uh, two Panther kickers in the NFL simultaneously. That's pretty cool. It's also two, someone else in the state has two. We don't necessarily need to talk about them. Uh, but that, I mean, now this was already the case with Will Lutz, but with Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia being in the league now, all the Georgia FBS schools have a kicker in the NFL, which just statistically, the odds of all that, it just is wild. And I mean, the two Georgia State, and I guess we can say Georgia Southern have two. It's just one of those weird things. There's just only so many kickers and a good fraction of them are all from the same state. I mean... So what? that's a sixth of the NFL has kicking talent that came out of the state of Georgia. I definitely was just trying not to do the math in my head while talking. Um, I mean, so 30 divided by five is pretty easy math, but go off. Uh, my indie <laughs> cred. All right. That, 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 that's the clip for this week right there. My math struggles aside, big opportunity for the rookie. Absolutely. Yeah, I want him to take that job and run with it. Or kick with it. I mean, if they want to give him a fake, <laughs> that also would be fun. He can kick and run with it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Thursday Night Podcast. As always, thank you very much for listening. And make sure you uh, keep track of us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we post regularly the new content that we upload. We should have a couple more things coming out this week as we continue to move toward the game with Charlotte. But other than that, that's all we got. So we'll see you guys next time. Bye.
The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.